You need the Lord. The battle's not ours. See, we're, we're, we're in the battle, but the battle's not ours. See, when we get it out of our mind that we're doing the fighting, see, we're not fighting. If we're, we're supposed to be humbled under the mighty hand of God and let him do it. Let's turn to the book of First Chronicles. Second Chronicles, I'm sorry, chapter 20. And we're going to read in verse 15. You see, God wants to fight your battle for you. Now, that's not saying. Now, a lot of people also just think that they're going to go through life and God's just going to fight for them without doing any. No, you have to. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. You have to do your part. Your part is to first off be a believer in Jesus Christ. Your second part is to be studying in the word. The third thing you need to do is to be praying, trying to live a lifestyle of worship. You also have to be reliant on God's power and not your own power. Let's look at verse 15. Second Chronicles. Remember, last week we talked about masks that we wear. And I'm not talking about the masks from Corona. I'm talking about we put on masks of our identity to try to sometimes to make up in areas of our lives that we think we're lacking or how we want other people to see us. Sometimes the enemy will put, have you wearing a mask of depression and all these other masks. But remember, as I was closing, I said that I believed that the Lord was going to be unveiling some giant killers to take off the masks of what the enemy has put on and that there would be giant killers that would come out of, of this church and out of this, the message and out of wherever you're watching online. And I believe that's true. See, we're all born and created to be a giant killer. See, we're not born to be in subjection to the lies of that adversary. And that's what he wants to do. See, he wants to get you as far away from Jesus as he can. He wants you to stop believing in Jesus. He wants, that's why that song, I love that song that we sang last time. It says, I will never let you go. Though my world may fall, I'll never let you go. Because the enemy's going to try to make your world fall. And you know where the biggest mistake we make? Is when we try to think we can do things under our own strength. You can't do, listen, I don't care how anointed you are. You can't fight no devil on your own. Amen? If, if you're trying to cast out a devil in the power of yourself, you're going to find yourself beat up, tired, whooped, with no success. Amen? You need the Lord. The battle's not ours. See, we're, we're, we're in the battle, but the battle's not ours. See, when we get it out of our mind that we're doing the fighting, see, we're not fighting. If we're, we're supposed to be humbled under the mighty hand of God and let Him do it. Let's turn to the book of First Chronicles. Second Chronicles, I'm sorry, chapter 20, and we're going to read in verse 15. You see, God wants to fight your battle for you. 
Now, that's not saying. Now, a lot of people also just think that they're going to go through life and God's just going to fight for them without doing any. No, you have to. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. You have to do your part. Your part is to first off be a believer in Jesus Christ. Your second part is to be studying in the word. The third thing you need to do is to be praying, trying to live a lifestyle of worship. You also have to be reliant on God's power and not your own power. Let's look at verse 15. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. I would not even know how to say that in Spanish. Chronicles. El, el segundo libro de Chronicles, capítulo 20, versículo 15 a las 10 y 7. Hallelujah. Oh, and those Spanish people cringed. Praise God. And, and he said, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. The word of the Lord, you may be seated. In verse 15, he tells them, listen, don't be afraid. This battle's not yours. In other words, God's saying, hey, you're the king, but Jehoshaphat, I got this. I got this. Then in verse 16, he gives them instructions. He tells them where to go, but where he's going to find the enemy. God will give you instruction God will give you awareness of where your enemy's at. God will point out the devil's attack in your life. God will point out the areas of your life that need work. God will show you. He will give you instruction. But you have to be humbled to him, trusting in him. Because he says that you shall not fight. Set yourselves and stand still. Remember in Ephesians, it says when you stand, stand therefore. See, sometimes when you've done all you think you can do, all you have to do is just stand and wait in the Word. Now, what are you doing? You're just standing there like, no, you're standing on the Word. You're standing with the feet shot of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just standing firm on the Word, saying that, that giant's going to come down. I'm a giant killer. I'm a giant killer. My God is a giant killer, and he's going to kill this giant through me. See, you can't be worried about your circumstances. We worry too much about our circumstances. Give your circumstances to the Lord and let him fight the battle for you. Now, see, right then and there, some Christians will get lazy. Well, the Lord's fighting for me. I don't have to do anything. No, you still have to do your part. First off, you have, see, you have to raise up the shield of faith. When you're raising up the shield of faith against the fiery darts of that adversary, you have to pull out that sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and strike. See, you, while you're standing, you can still be speaking. 
See, you can be standing still and quoting the word of God against what's coming against you. See, you've got to have it in your arsenal, weapons of warfare that are not carnal, but are spiritual to the bringing down of strongholds. See, you've got to be able to bring down that stronghold that that enemy's trying to bring upon your life because of the power that God has over your life because you're submitted and you're trusting him for the outcome. You should be able to say that, well, your word says, and bam, I expect this outcome. Not just sit back and go, well, you know, I'm saved. God's going to do all. The no, God's not going to do all the work for you. I'm telling you that right now. You got to do some stuff on your own. You got to be in prayer on your own. God will nudge you in the middle of the night or when it's time. How many have set a time that you get up and pray every day? How many have had that? How many and how many kept it? How many have all of a sudden been woken up? Let's say, let's say you set an alarm clock for prayer, and you forget to set it that day. You can feel the Holy Ghost wake you up and say, hey, it's time to pray. Time to get up. Time to get up. See, when your whole being trusts in God, you will become a submissive servant of God. You will know that every day that I, I put my foot down on this earth, I am all I am to do is to be pleasing to God. And when, see, remember it says to submit, therefore, to God, right? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. See, you can come in and not be submitted to God and try to get rid of devils and they're not going to go nowhere. They're going to mock you. They're going to laugh at you. They're going to lay down, play dead like you did something. And then they're just going to get up and, and say, okay, not today. Have a nice day. Because you're not submitted. But if you submit yourself to God and you just stand there and resist, they will go because they know they got no room with you. Because you're already submitted. You're sold out to God. They can't because, see, they know they can't mess with the God on the inside of you. See, the flesh and bones that you stand in front of them, they could kill you all day long. But when you're born again and believe in Jesus Christ and you're submitted to him, they know that the battle's not yours. They know that they're fighting against God Almighty on the inside of you. And once you're submitted to that fact, they know they can't mess with you. That's why, you know, you can sit there and just say, get out, and that devil will go. Jesus didn't have to wrestle with devils. Jesus just said, leave him. And they go, okay, where are we going, please? Let, let us go into the pigs. Right? Jesus didn't have to sit there and do all kinds of stuff and sit there for hours and have them puke and all the stuff. That, you know, all that. Jesus just got up there and said, be gone. See, Jesus knew who his daddy was. Jesus knew who his father was. Jesus knew whenever he faced any miracle that he needed to do, it wasn't him doing it. It was his father doing it. And then remember, John 12, 14, uh, 12 through 14 says that we shall do the same works as Jesus did, even greater works, so that the Father should receive glory through the Son. See, whenever you're facing a battle, don't try to have victory so that you can be like, yo, I got the victory. You want to get the victory so that God gets the glory. See, see, when your mindset changes, you pull the mask off of identity, you can become a giant killer. Because you can stand in front of any giant anywhere because you know it's not even you that's standing in front of that giant. 
See, the Bible says in Isaiah 59, 19, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise a standard up against it. See, if you're following after God and you're submitted to God, that enemy going to come in. But once he gets a good look at you, he goes, oh, my God, there's too much of God in that person. I can't mess with him. Let me go to the next one. Amen. And I, I would like to have the kind of lifestyle where the devil would be like, yo, I can't touch that, brother. I mean, he's trying right now all over the place. There's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. But you know what? I'm going to stay submitted to God, and I'm going to wait for the salvation of the Lord in my life, in this ministry, and in the battle. Amen? Because the battle's not mine. It's the Lord's. Amen? See, the battle's not yours. Not any one of you is the battle yours. You're engaged in it, but it's the Lord's. The Lord will have the victory. Amen? It's not your battle. It's not your fight. David went before Goliath. You know, the funny thing I, I mentioned about David last week. When Samuel went to anoint the new king because Saul messed up, right? You had the first son he came to, the description they gave. In natural, Samuel looked at him and goes, wow, this must be the next king because he, just the way he looked. And God said, don't look at the outer man because I judge the heart. See, David had the heart. David was the boy who was out, 16 years old, out tending to the sheep. When a bear came to attack the flock that his family relied on to be alive, David didn't go running for his brothers. David stood in that field and took down the lion and took down the bear with his bare hands. Because he knew the Lord. He knew the power that God had. So now you got David in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel coming before a giant named Goliath. He comes before, and all he was doing was he was doing some biblical Uber Eats. He was, he, he, he was bringing his brothers some lunch. Back then he was bringing them, he was bringing them some Jer Jerusalem pizza. <laughs> he, was, he was bringing them some Uber Eats. It, it was David Eats coming and bringing stuff to his brothers. But he, see, this is the thing. This is what my, one of the most important points of this encounter to, with me is what it tells David's heart. Because remember, David's referred to as a man after God's heart. David was always seeking after the heart of God. Well, here you come. Here's this boy bringing delivery to his brothers. And he hears this Philistine giant who for 40 days has been defiling the God that David loves and serves. Speaking junk about his God. David got upset on the inside like, how dare someone talk about my God like that? David, David, didn't, David didn't go fight Goliath for Saul. David didn't go fight Goliath for his brothers. David didn't fight Goliath for Israel. David fought Goliath because he was talking junk and smack about his God. See, when you get in the battle, you've got to get it on the inside that you get mad at that devil because of what he's trying to do against your God. See, get out of taking about what you're going through. You want God to get the glory. So you want that devil to get defeated because you want God to get the glory. You want to be able to stand firm and say, look at Yeah, devil, look at you. Don't you mess with my God. David hears him talking. David says, listen. And I believe there's giant killers in here right now that you will stand before Goliath and you will tell him exactly something similar to what David said. 
David said to him, Goliath said to him first, he said, oh, well, what, a, what, you, what am I, a dog? Did you come to me? And, and, and David's like, listen, you may come to me with javelin and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. Amen. And he said, and my Lord, the same, now, now David goes back, see, God allows you to go through stuff so you have something to go back to. How many in here have been through something and you've seen the Lord bring you through? Everybody? Everybody? You've seen the Lord do something in your life, and at one time you had no idea how it was going to end up, but you trusted in God, and God provided, right? I know I'm looking at some of you, and I know exactly what you're winking and waving about. Amen? So David says to him, he said, listen, the same God that delivered me from the hand of the lion and the paw of the bear is the same God that's going to deliver your Philistine carcass into my hand today. And he said it so that all of Israel will know that he is the Lord. See, when you want to win a battle, see, when you want a miracle, you know, people call you to go to the hospital. If you want to go to the hospital so you get a reputation as a healer in the hospital, people are going to die. God's not going to allow you to get any glory. But if you go in that hospital and you walk in carrying the mantle of the healer and so that God gets the glory. See, if you notice, whenever we pray, we always pray that, Lord, that you would get the glory. That medical science has to acknowledge that you are God. See, and when you go and you pray like that, God will move on those prayers because now you put it back on him and it's not on you. A lot of us want to go in there and act like we some kind of holy, holier than thou kind of thing. And, oh, the fact that I went there and laid my hands on them. It's, man, it's not your hands. It's not you. It's the anointing of Almighty Father in heaven that brings a miracle. So take off the mask of who you think you are and just... Put on the mask of I'm a believer in Christ and he's my daddy and he can do all things that he wants to do. So David tells Goliath, he says, hey, I'm going to take you down today. Has his five stones and his sling, puts one of them chosen stones that God chose, put it in that sling, slung it, knocked down that giant. David wasn't satisfied there. If you read this scripture, what David did was he ran up and he stood on that defeated carcass and he chopped off that giant's head. Then he ran all the way back and he put that head on a spear on the top of a hill for display that he had killed the giant. If you research the hill that he put the head of the giant on is Golgotha, Calvary, where Jesus Christ had died. Come on, give God some praise. See, when you recognize that it's not you, that it's the God that's in you, that's in control in the battle, you will have victory. But a lot of times in battle, we have to go through it on our own. And we go through it a little longer than we have to. How many have ever been trying to make it through something and finally realized, you know what, God? I can't do this anymore. I need you. And then all of a sudden, the miracle happens. I remember hearing about an evangelist that would travel all over the place and go to all these different meetings. And he said that there, he was staying, happened to be staying in a, in a parlor or in a guest room with some, some woman in a man's house. And on the last night that when he was getting, you know, had gone to bed and they woke up in the morning, she said, brother, you can't leave. My husband's still not saved. 
I've been putting tracks down, doing, doing all these things, and he's still not saved because I put tracks down on the dining room table. I put it with break, all these things. And this is what the man said. He goes, okay, good. Now you've done all you can do. Let's let the Lord have a try. And they prayed, and they surrendered it to God. And shortly time after, the man got saved. See, you can sow the seed. You can do all the work, but you've got to do it and turn it over to God and let him have the authority and let him have the total way and victory of whatever it is you're going through. You got a child that's going crazy? Turn them over to the Lord. Especially, you can say, Lord, I dedicate that child to you. They're your problem, praise God. <laughs> Help them. Amen? You can be like, Lord, Lord, that's your baby. <laughs> Help that baby, Lord, they're yours. <laughs> Amen. I, Lord, I, I, I just keep praying for the child. But don't get weary in the battle. Because remember, you can always say, Lord, this battle's not mine, it's yours. But I want this battle, when it's over, I want you to get the glory. I want you to get the honor. I want you to get the praise. Hallelujah. You know, how, many, how many in here are struggling with something? Anybody, you're struggling? Anybody else struggling with anything? It's okay. Struggle is normal. It's human. Uh, is every, am I talking to all humans in here? Or do I have a, any of you divine, uh, do I have any divine creatures sitting with me here today? I don't go through normal stuff. Because if you do, we need to get together. And you, Amen. Lay your hands on me. Let me become divine. Praise God. But I know I'm flesh and bone, flesh and blood. I, I, I am going through stuff right now as we speak. I got stuff going on that you would, it's just crazy. But you know what? My God's in control. I'm not, see, see, the enemy wants to cause you to miss a step. Enemy wants you to, uh, as the world would say, lose your swagger. Right? Enemy wants you to get so caught up with the stuff that he's trying to cause in your life that you start to change the way you are. You can't do that. If you're a born-again believer, you should be getting more into God when stuff's going on than focusing on the stuff that's going on. You've got to buckle down. You've got to know that God will give you the instruction. God will tell you what to do. God will tell you where, when, how, and how much. Sometimes he might just say, be still and know that I am God. See, not any one of us in here, no one online, I don't care what title you have, you are not God. There is only one God. And God said, have no other gods before me. Don't put yourself before God. Don't put your anything before God because he says not to do that. You've got to know that he is your God. Do you know that he's your God in here today? Do you believe that he can do all that his word says he can do? See, that's what you have to do. You have to understand that he can do all that his word says he can do. You have to humble. You know, in 1 Peter 5, it says to humble yourself in the presence of God. How many would say you actually humble yourself in the presence of God? He goes, you know, how many are tired where you are right now? How many want to be farther along in life and advanced than you are right now? Right? How many, how many, you know, sometimes that can be pride. But even if it's not, look at this, what this word says. 
How many think that, wow, I, I should be further along than I am right now? Well, it says here in 1 Peter 5, verse 6, to humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Verse 7 says, casting all your care upon him because he careth for you. See, you need to know that your Lord cares for you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians that he will not cause you to go anything that you cannot bear. And he'll even provide you a way up. And that others have already gone through the same thing or going through it with you in their own way at the same time. Therefore, no temptation is not common to man. There's everything that you go through has either been gone through by somebody else or is going through. Someone else is going through it right now. You are never going through something unique to God. It's all the same. But God says to humble yourself under my mighty hand and in due time. What's due time mean? At the right time, in the right season, I will exalt you. I will lift you up. See, a lot of times we want to get lifted up before time, before we're ready, before God is ready. I believe in the terms of his ministry. The due time is about to come. The due time is about to rise up. Amen? Do I think, I, 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 my mind, I would think due time was three years ago. But it wasn't. I believe due time is on its way. Revival's about to overtake this nation, and we're going to be a part of this upcoming revival. We're going to be people leading people to Jesus, getting them filled with the Holy Ghost, and watching that devil chase his tail. Amen? Hallelujah. I like watching the devil chase his tail. Says to cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. How many in here would honestly be honest and say that you're selective with the cares you give to the Lord? Amen. You think, oh, I got this. I don't need to include the Lord in this. Something, let me tell you something. Something as simple as a shopping list. Cast that care upon the Lord so that you spend the money wisely. I remember when I lived in New York City, I was casting my care on the Lord with that shopping list every Sunday, every time I went shopping. And I found myself going in three and four different stores to get everything that we needed because this one had a sale on this. And this one had a sale on that. And this one had a sale on that. See, he cares for you. He doesn't want you. That's why he, that's why he says the battle's not yours. It's mine. Let me fight it for you so that you will see my salvation, my saving in the middle of your battle. Because, see, what, what would happen if it was actually your power that got you through the battle? Then you would have no need for God. And you'd fight the next battle under your own strength again. And you end up losing one day. See, with God, there's always victory. Sometimes it just takes longer because it's perfect victory god i believe god allows us to go through stuff because he's trying to mold us into what he wants us to be see everybody that i look at right now you're definitely different than the neighbor next to you some of you are better looking than others some of you are older than others you know some of you some of you have more gray hair than others some of you have no hair at all you know we're all uniquely different 
which makes us uniquely different in our purpose in the kingdom of God. Right? Not, see, not everybody's called to the same thing. You may, be, you may have, so, I mean, I, I use this guy Tony as an example, but when I was in Harvest Church, New York in the 90s, there was this deacon who sang on the worship team, but his ministry was cleaning the church. That was his ministry. He was like, ministry, clean the church? One day, because I, I ended up getting, I was working three jobs at that time, and he took me on and gave me some side work with him. And one day I was talking to him, and he was like, brother, you don't understand. He said, that ministry of cleaning that church is the gift God gave me to help build the body of Christ. I was like, what you mean? He said, listen, when a newcomer comes into this church, and they use that bathroom, and they see their reflection in the spigot. That is a good reflection of God on this church and on that person. He goes, when people see a well-organized, neatly clean church, he goes, that's my, my ministry. And, that, and I'm happy with plunging toilets, stocking toilet paper, cleaning sinks, cleaning up after people. I am happy doing it because I'm not doing it for any of you. I'm doing it for my God. And that's what my God has put up. And, and the pastor of that church always knew that between him and his crew, that his church and the grounds and everything was taken care of. He never had to worry about a thing. All he had to do is make sure that the monies were appropriated so when he needed soap, when he needed stuff he needed, that it was there. But Brother Tony, that was his job. That was his ministry. That's what he took that he was doing for the Lord. Somebody thinks, well, all I do is sound in the, in the booth. No, that's a ministry. I did that for years in church. That was a ministry. Some, uh, every Saturday, you may be like, well, all I do is sort chicken. You're the chicken sorter for God. You're breaking, up, you're breaking up 130 pounds worth of meat so that 70 families can get chicken. You are God's chicken sorter for God. Amen? See, not everything's about ministry. You know what the word minister really means? You know what, you know what it, it translates to? Servant. Minister does not mean more entitled to. More, more I, oh, I, man, I deserve more respect. No, you need to be doing more service. That's what the word minister means. Servant of God and servant to the people from God. You see, when we get our eyes off of us, me, myself, and I. I see, I'm including me in this. So I got to take my eyes off me and put my eyes on Jesus. And put my eyes on what the mission is for Jesus of this church and of my life. Uh, my, the mission that God has given me is to get as many people as I can save and equipped with the power of God to do the work of God. Amen. Look at look at verse verse eight of first Peter five it says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Do you realize, Minister Jasmine, Rodney, that that devil circles your, circles your property looking to see what he can do to your household? You recognize that? He wants to use your shower, jump in your pool, but don't let him. Amen? <laughs> Keep him out. He roams around. Why do you think we have to pray for our children when they leave the house? Because when they leave the house, the enemy out there roaming around, seeing if they can get into their life. Because when they're on their own, they're going to do what they want to do. No matter how much, when they're in front of you, they'll be like, oh, yeah, praise God, hallelujah. But once they get out and their friend, they're like, yo, Drinking, swearing, cousin, hanging out with the wrong crowd because you're not there watching. 
But that you got to let them have that rope. But you pray, and God will nip it in the bud. You know that when they start to go down the wrong path, that you've got enough word of God in them that they won't go far, and they'll come back. Because that's scriptural. It says that they won't go far off the path. Then verse 9 says, Whom be sober, be vigilant. That's verse 8. You got to be sober means to be clear-minded. See, people think sober means not drinking. Well, the reason they say being sober with drinking because when you drink, you're not clear-minded. Amen? Be sober. Be clear-minded. Be vigilant. I mean, don't give up. See, don't give up. And it's easier not to give up when you recognize the battle's not yours. You can't fight that devil, so stop trying. Let God be the one who fights the devil. Amen? The battle's not yours. Say this. Say, I am a giant killer. My God kills giants through me. I don't kill the giant. My God kills the giant. But I am a giant killer. Hallelujah. You see, you got to understand. It's not about you anymore. When you're in the world, it's about you. When you're in the kingdom, it's about him. And when you make it about him, that's when you first have peace. That's where you have peace. When you stop worrying about you and start praising him and know that he's going to take care of you, that's when your first moment of peace begins. Lord, I give my life to you, and I don't want any of it back. A lot of times we do that. Oh, Lord, I give this to you, and then you kind of want to keep pieces of it for yourself. Give it all to him and let him lead you in the battle. Let him lead you through the valleys. Let him lead you to the mountaintops. Let him lead you everywhere that he wants to lead you. Take your hands off it. Just do the praying, the reading, the worshiping, and the service. If you do those four things, you will have a really good outlook on your life as long as you put him first. Amen. World Harvest Worship Center. Reaching our world one life, one city, one nation at a time.